Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Oh la 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 la, oh la 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 la. Two French teams in the Champions League semi-finals as Lyon defeat Manchester City 3-1. Four years ago, Portugal crushed France's dreams at home at Euro 2016. This year, it's France getting revenge in Portugal. We've got two teams in the semi-finals. And if the comparison is anything to go by, let's remember that France beat Germany in the semi-finals at Euro 2016. But what another heroic performance from a French football club. Half of the semi-finalists are French. This is incredibly exciting for all of us here at GFFN, as I'm sure you imagine. Oh la 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 la, that's my French commentator uh, impression in this glorious moment. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham, and I have a very happy panel here with me today. We have uh, the number one Ligue 1 propagandist, Clinton McDovis. Hey, Clinton. Hi, hi. Uh, very pleased to be here on this very, very happy night. <laughs> I'm super excited. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting your A game because this is the big stage in your line of work. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. And also with us here is Eric Devon. Hey, Eric. Hi, hey, Pierre Paul. Uh, yeah. Uh, Speechless, but not literally, I hope. Uh, quite the evening for French football. Yes, uh, it would be unfortunate in, in this medium for that to be literal, indeed. Um, Eric, you spend a lot of time, you know, writing about Lyon, working about, around Lyon and, and presumably thinking about them. Do you ever feel that you have overthought Lyon? Um, I mean, I don't know. The way this club's gone, in the last 10 years uh, has been, you know, a source of near constant heartbreak. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and to have a night like this where, okay, yes, I'm not going to lie. Uh, well, rode their chances, especially uh, considering that Sterling miss. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to feel anything, but, you know, exultation and joy at this point in time. I mean, there's, there's been so many, Dagger moments. I mean, you know, <laughs> even as recently as that that loss to Ajax in the Europa League semifinals three years ago, you know, Leon probably should have gone through, but weren't sharp enough defensively um, to play with this sort of okay, right in their luck, but to play with this sort of resolute defense that we've seen now in three matches: the League final, the second leg against Juve, and this evening um, really says a lot. It's not the free flowing attacking football that we want, but it's a collective ethos. And it's getting it done. And it's really impressive. And Kale. Hey, Kale. Stockwell, that is. Hey, Pierre-Paul. Thanks for having me. Very excited Great to, to be here on. under these circumstances. Yeah, of course. So, so Lyon 3, Manchester City 1. Uh, Manchester City coming out with a kind of strange starting lineup, as people have say they often do in the Champions League for some reason, against Lyon clearly worried by how uh, mighty uh, the French were against uh, Juventus in the previous round, I, I can only imagine. Um, so, Kale, can, let's start talking about the team spirit that they showed today, because at various points in time in the past recent years, we know that Lyon have had good players, good talent and so on, but, but uh, you know, sometimes not everyone was shooting in the same direction, as we would say in French, but Tonight, and like you said, Eric, in the last few matches, that was absolutely not the case. 
Yeah, everyone fully on board with Rudy Garcia's game plan from the start. I think what jumped out at me at the from the very beginning of the game is just how physical they were, just how keen they were to get on top of City, get the ball, make them feel them a lot in the opening minutes. I think that kind of surprised City, just how physical, especially the defenders were. Denaire and Marcelo, obviously, maybe they're not familiar with the way he plays, but... He was in there kicking and jumping and leaning on guys. And I think that kind of set the tone for the match and maybe made Lyon feel a little bit like, hey, you know what? We can play with these guys. And and they looked good early on because of it, I thought. And you didn't mention uh, Marsal in defense, who I thought was glorious um, <laughs> compared to his usual standards, at least. But, you know, even objectively, he was quite good today. Um Eric, what do, you, what do you think of that defensive performance, which was astonishing? Yeah, I mean, that that was something, certainly something I took note of uh, in, my, in my notes as I was watching the match. I mean, this is a player who, you know, going back to his time at Gangon, we saw as being certainly a left-sided attacking fullback. You know, maybe not, maybe not a Benjamin Mendy, but someone who liked to get forward. Uh, and I think his evolution into a left-sided centre-back in a back three uh, is something that's been really impressive and uh, really speaks volumes of Rudy Garcia's you know, maligned as he may be at times, his ability to get teams working together and to have players, you know, work together towards a mission. I, you know, I think that ahead of the season, had we imagined this situation, we might have thought Joachim Anderson would be in that situation given the fee that was paid for him. He's not been up to Garcia's standards for whatever reason. Well, the reasons are obvious, I should say. Uh, but I think that Marsal's uh, physicality, drive, determination, um, you know, we saw time and time again Maxwell Cornet on the pitch haven't been fouled or having pretended to have been fouled, let's be honest. Uh, but uh, th- what was able to happen, the reason that that was able to happen, that Cornet was able to have so much freedom going forward, let's not sell Marcel short on this, it's because of Marcel's work rate, positional intelligence, and drive on the night. Uh, it, it really set the tone for the for the evening, and I, I think that, you know, obviously Dembele would have to be the man of the match award winner given his double, but I think that you know, Marsal may be a rather unsung hero uh, on the evening, especially. Uh, he hasn't always looked comfortable in this position, but I think when the chips are down, as they were this evening, he's really he's really shown himself to have had another gear into which to shift, and it's been very impressive. I, I was surprised to see Dembele with the, match, man, of the watch, man of the Match award, even though he did score the two goals, of course, just because players like Marsal were so good throughout the 90 minutes that, you know, surely Maxwell or... or uh, Marsal or 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 Maxwell Cornet could have would have been in contention for that. Um, Clinton, I know you have love for Maxwell Cornet. <laughs> well, I have love for him now in his newfound position because I think that he has really found himself now. But before before now, I was a bit you know um, undecided on his um, on what he was really you know on his consistency at least and you know he used to do some things that used to really annoy me but um, in his <laughs> present position now I think that he has he has really found the spot for himself like the exact place where his his um, strengths are maximized and today was absolutely brilliant I think I think he was brilliant I think he there was a point where um, the commentator mentioned that he was he seemed to be playing almost as a winger because Leon pegged 
um, Man City for that period, and he was you know so, so far forward, and they still couldn't exploit his side because he was also quick to get back and really like block everywhere. So I, I thought it was a very brilliant performance. That side, that left side, was very good for for Leon today, and it was his goal was also beautiful. Oh my god, <laughs> I loved that goal. The way he just took it and everything it was yes. it was impressive. I thought it was a fantastic night for him. Uh, guys, he what he did play as a winger at some point, right? I thought that at points at some points in the match, Lyon looked like they were in a four-one-four-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 certainly seemed like that at certain points. I think it was there was a period of um, constant possession that they had where they were actually the ones that looked dangerous. Some I think that was in the first half, and during that period, he was just stationed, you know, further forward, and he wasn't really going back. And it was um, like in the last five, seven, ten minutes of the first half when uh, Manstey upped the pressure that, you know, he, he had to um, go back and really like block that area. I think so, yeah. Mm. But also I, what I had noticed, I think, was before the, uh, before the Manchester City goal, there was a kind of long period where Lyon were getting weaker and weaker. But at first they were in that 4-1-4-1 with Cornet on the left wing, Toko on Toko Ekambi on, on the right, and Depay a little bit alone chasing balls up front. And it was a solid block, which kind of held back City for a while, but they were never getting the ball. And eventually, they City broke through and scored that, that very nice goal. Going forwards, Eric, uh, you know, what did you think of Lyon's attacking animation in, in the match? To be honest, I, I wasn't best pleased. I, I thought that Memphis and Alwar were pretty probably the two most disappointing players on the pitch, to be honest. Uh, you know, in, in close contention with Bruno Guimaraes, who I think has looked a little bit off the pace uh, since the restart. Uh, mm. I, I thought Toko Akambi was was good. I thought his energy was good. But I, I feel like overall, Leon lacked a, a lot of cohesion going forward. Um, and that Awar sort of struggled to find space, uh, given given the interplay between Marsal and Cornet. I thought those two ha- were on the same wavelength. Awar was maybe not. Uh, whereas would have liked, whereas I would have liked to have seen him play a little bit more wide. Um, I, I thought his tucking narrow allowed City playing that back three to control uh, things in defense a little bit more than maybe could have made Leon dangerous on the counter. You know, I, so it was a little bit frustrating attacking wise from, from Leon on the evening. Um, I, I think that they, they could have done a little bit better in that regard. But I mean, again, you know, that to me. At the end of this evening is is is, you know, what's the expression? Uh, pulling it, pulling at straws or whatever whatever the expression is. It doesn't matter anymore, is what you mean, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's neither here nor there. I mean, the result is a result, yeah. and I think that Leon in in playing this three five two as they have in these last three matches, like have always looked a little bit clumsy in attack, um, mm-hmm. and I think that. You know, it's fine at this point, right? I mean, the club are into the Champions League semifinal for just the second time in, in their history. Um, and they have, well, obviously a tough match against Bayern Munich to come. But uh, I think that, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's job done. Yeah. Um, would you agree, Kale, with, with that analysis? Uh, yeah, I think for the most part, I, I think... I mean, I don't really like the the three five two or you know five three two that Garcia plays. I think just like Eric said, 
makes it really difficult to transition quickly because you're asking Memphis to do a job that I don't think he's particularly good at, which is kind of pinning the defenders and holding the ball up. I don't think you're getting the most out of him there. I think Toko Akambi can look good because he gets to sort of play off of Memphis and, and run the channels and they put balls through to him. But as the game goes on, and this happened with Juventus, that gets more and more difficult as you get deeper and deeper and deeper. And with Awar as well, he ends up tucked inside with very little space and no one really to release the ball to. I think he made a couple nice little dribbles and I think he did a good job sometimes of holding the ball and getting fouled. I I thought he was actually decent on the night along with Kekare. I would agree that Gimarech had one of his, you know, more forgettable matches, but that's why I think it was so imperative that they brought on Dembele when they did. They just needed someone to get the ball to that could hold it up, start bringing players into play and and connect with Awar and Cornet and whomever else was around him because they just were unable to do that with Memphis as, at the nine. It is interesting that a lot of Lyon's attacks kind of came through long balls or, or just playing it in behind the defense, which was facilitated, I think, by Manchester City's defense. Um, and, I mean, we might talk about them in a minute. Um, but in the first half, Tokokambi was chasing a lot of balls and then Dembele scored... Um, the two goals there, especially the second one, uh, the first one he scored, sorry. Um, but it is interesting what you guys are saying about Memphis because although it looks it looks frustrating knowing the kind of player he is, that you know he's not really getting chances, doesn't really have much of the ball and is being asked to press a lot and so on, but it's quite a substantial substantial shift from the Memphis we knew, you know, say a few seasons ago. I think that's absolutely true, Fierro. I think that, you know, we're seeing a willingness to work on the part of Depay, and even if it's not something that comes natural to him, as we can see from a, you know, a player like Tokokambi playing alongside him, I still think there's a level of effort there that, you're right, we haven't seen from him consistently. And I think that that makes us a more complete team. I mean, again, you know, speaking as a Leon fan, a lot of my frustrations this season have and in recent seasons in general, have been really anchored around Leon relying, frankly, too much on individual talent. And I think that what we're seeing now, you know, again, is it may be a little bit saltifying in terms of its, its, you know, its aesthetic attractiveness. I think that it's very, very hard to argue with the results. And I think that, that that's really what we have to take away from this. The fact that Rudy Garcia can get um, Depay playing in to, to that extent is is really impressive. And I think it shows maturity on the part of the player. Uh, I think it shows an incredible ability on the part of the manager to get the players to respond to him in this way. Which brings us back to that whole, uh, to where we started about team spirit. And I mean, the level of cohesion is just, is just really incredible right now. Um, the effort everyone is putting in. I mean, wow. <laughs> Clinton, let me turn to you and ask you uh, something about Manchester city. I know you had a, field day yesterday with Barcelona's defeat. <laughs> um, today, a man who's indissociable from Barcelona, Pep Guardiola, is also getting knocked out of the Champions League again with Manchester City. How much uh, do you think that the way they set up and the way they played uh, is is also an explanation for you know, their defeat. Uh, not to take anything away from, from the, how well Lyon played 
but you know, yeah, surely uh, um, we would expected more from them. Yeah, I thought they were very, very underwhelming in attack. Um, it, it was almost too easy in the first half, at least, um, for Leon to really stifle them and protect that space, you know, in and around the box. And I, I, I was a bit disappointed in Manchester City's display. I thought that, you know, obviously the thing that happens to Pep Guardiola in ties like this is that he tends to overthink sometimes and he just makes some weird, you know, decisions and, and all of that. I thought Riyad Mahrez should not have been on the bench to, to start with. He's probably um, Master's most dangerous X-Factor player <laughs> outside of KDB, of course. And he was just there on the bench for, what, 56 minutes. And I thought that that was the wrong decision. But overall, I thought um, Pep, Pep tends to do these things where he looks at the opponent and he starts to overthink certain things and maybe even gets spooked sometimes. And then he starts making some decisions that don't really make sense. And once again, I think we saw it today because in that first half, almost like he played around and he gave them too much respect. You know, probably because they knocked out Juventus and maybe that spooked him or something. He gave them too much respect and Leon took full advantage of that. I mean, um, Leon didn't particularly play well for large parts of the game. I thought they, they, they started the game pretty well. I mean, first 30 minutes, they actually looked very purposeful and sometimes slightly dangerous. But outside of that, by the, say, 50th minute, Leon really offered nothing going forward for maybe the next 20 minutes they offered nothing going for 20 yeah. 25 minutes it was almost like they couldn't pass um our had um less than 70 percent pass completion tonight and that for for someone like that playing in midfield that is like really underwhelming in terms of the, the passing thing and that was really uh, that really sums up what leon were about you know in attack today especially in that period they couldn't even pass it out every time they passed um, they got past. They got the ball out of their area and tried to advance with it or something. They just lost it, and it kept happening again and again and again. And still, they didn't. You know, they didn't. They didn't get to pay for that. They didn't get to suffer for that. You know, that thing. And I, I kept saying it that Rudy had to make a change at some point. I kept hammering it that maybe Jeffrey and Adelaide had to come on or something because. They were not looking good in attack anymore, and City was piling up, the, uh, piling on the pressure. But still, I was not impressed with how City went about attacking. They just looked blunt. Um, Sterling was was largely, apart from the goal, of course, it was largely easy to deal with. Um, Gabriel Jesus as well, and and even KDB was not as influential as he usually is, you know, in midfield. And for me, it was just because. It was largely because Pep played into Leon's hands. I, I before the game, I knew how Leon were going to set up. In my head, I just figured this was. I, I in fact, I think I said it like two days ago to someone. I said Leon exactly like this. They would play like this. They would keep it because the person was saying that Manchester City were going to thrash Leon maybe five nil or something. I said that that was not going to happen <laughs> because I, I could tell that Leon were going to come out you know like this and really just protect that space. They, they didn't. Sh I mean even. As early as the first half, Manchester City were camped in Leon's half, like, but still they were not offering anything. And um, in the first ten minutes of the second half, Manchester had a, the lion's share of possession, but they were they they had like no shot at all, nothing. They just were there. So I, I thought that 
Pep got it wrong with, with his selection and with the way he set up his team. He played right into Leon's hands. And then when Dembele came on, he didn't react, you know, properly to that change. He did not react well to it because mm. that that showed that you know um, Rudy was going for it. He was just going to take advantage of some through ball or something. It was pretty obvious, and still City kept a high line and you know waited for a disaster to happen, and it actually happened. So I thought they got it wrong, and for Pep Guardiola, it's just not good enough. I mean, for we can talk about everything that he has done domestically. He deserves credit for that, but on these stages with Man City, he has consistently you know fallen short and once, twice, yeah, but this is like what the fourth time. And remember when Monaco also beat them and beat them well some years ago. So I, I think that his yeah. falling shot and that, that kind of played a part it, also for Leon. It's um according to to GFFN sources before the match, Lyon were su- surprised by the way by the city's lineup and the kind of uh smaller amount of attacking players than smaller number of attacking players than usual. Whereas everybody knew Lyon was going to set up the same way as against Juventus, really. The only question mark was Toko Ekambi or, or Moussa Dembele. And, but in either case, it was going to be a pretty similar setup. So it, it's surprising because it shows that, that Guardiola really adapted to that idea of how Lyon were going to play. And um, like you said, he was maybe a bit scooped, uh, spooked. On French TV, the commentator was saying that it's a massive boost for Lyon players to see that kind of lineup before the match because they realize, okay, these guys are scared of us the way they've set it up. Um, and that makes you believe that you can do it. If you, if you see that the others believe that you can do it, then, you know, um, yeah. Uh, so in a way, I guess we can thank him <laughs> for, for bringing that small boost of, of confidence uh, to, to Lyon. Okay, guys, we have two French teams in the semifinals of the Champions League. What does this say for French football in a year like this, where Ligue 1 was cancelled and, and supposedly that made us look terrible and so on? I mean, I think PSG should be where they are. So I don't mean to take the two French teams in it for granted, but that's mm. kind of the base level for PSG for me. They, sh- they are good enough to be in the semifinals. They should be there. I mean, Lyon, Lyon being there is just a total shock. I, I don't know what it says largely for the league as a whole. I think we all, all of us here believe that there's more talent in Liga than people know about because they don't pay as much attention to it. And the thing with Lyon, I say it all the time, is they have so much talent and so much technical ability in their side they can beat anyone in Europe in transition. They just have to play strong defensively and make those transitions count. And tonight, that's exactly what they did. And against Juventus, it's exactly what they did. So it's a, it's a surprise, it's a shock, but it was always there. They, they were always capable of doing that. But it's funny, right? Because during the league season, when oh. Lyon weren't doing so well, I mean, I remember back in, you know, like in January or something, in between the group stages and the round of 16, it was it was completely out of my mind that Lyon were still in the Champions League. I mean, I just, I would forget it for weeks at a time. And whenever I did remember it, I would just assume they were going to lose against Juventus. It seemed completely unrealistic. 
at the time that that they could do it. And but obviously, when you look at the matches, it's a completely different story. Um, yeah, that's just a thought that I have uh, that I had about you know looking back on how we were looking at things earlier this year. Yeah, I, I, what, what I wanted to add here too is this is this is a this team is really interesting, and I, I what I mean by that is that's a broad statement. I, I, I admit that, but the way this team is constructed, if you think back a year ago to where Leon were with Juninho coming in as a sporting director, with the outlay that Leon had had in the summer, bringing in players like Yusuf Kone, Joachim Anderson, Tego Mendes, who did come on as a substitute here. Mm. This team has not been, has succeeded despite how it was constructed last summer. Not because of, despite. And I think that that's something that really shouldn't go, go unsaid. Um, and it's really, again, a testament to Garcia's ability to get this, this team to work together. Um, I just, I don't know, that shouldn't be underscored. I mean, you know, you add in Luca Tussar, who was sort of cast aside and uh, not not being, you know, not being highly regarded, and you know, I, I think would have done, you know, no no slate on Guimaraes on the night, but I think Tusar would have made this match even more comfortable had he been had he been uh, playing this evening. So, because let's not yeah. forget, he scored the goal in the first leg against Juventus. I mean, right? I, I don't I don't think we could tie goal scoring. <laughs> you could say goal scoring is one of Luca Tusar's yeah. um, <laughs> abilities, but he he is you know is and was a fantastic fantastic defensive midfielder you know i think one who should be considered for the for the national team at some point in the near future but the point is this this team as a result of garcia's nous and ability to get this team to work together is succeeding despite how they were constructed it's it's really a testament to garcia's achievement i know there are a lot of a lot of friends of french football who i've who i've seen you know criticize him for you know his negativity but there's something to be said for being prosaic because in a, in a competition like this, in a season like this, given how the format is, there's a lot to be said for, for approaching the match this way and approaching these matches this way, the Coupe de la Ligue final, the second leg against Juve and this evening. And results are what matter, um, especially when you've got this unique format that allows one match to decide the outcome of a tie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all praise is due to, to Garcia to... to put this team together and to say, well, you know, Yusuf Kone, Thiago Mendes, I don't care what your price tags are. We're going to succeed, Joachim Anderson. I don't care what your price tags are. I'm going to put together the best 11, going to work together collectively and to succeed. And, and that's, that's really a testament to his ability, you know, despite the fact that this is still a team that has me definitely <laughs> facing plenty of doubts heading into the 2020-2021 season in France, but for the moment is being, um, yeah, the moment has been really exceptional. It's also kind of like you're saying a testament to um, the discrepancy between uh, kind of public discourse and um, these kind of mainstream ideas and the reality of, of how competent these people are, because Rudy Garcia was a was you know has been at point at some points an immensely popular manager in France certainly with Lyon fans for different reasons possibly but even in his time as Marseille you know there were problems there and so on but that unpopularity does not mean that he's a bad manager and we know that he's had very good results with Lille with Roma 
with Marseille in the Europa League and, and, and now this as well. And similarly, a lot of Lyon players, you know, have been very criticized by their fans or, or kind of ridicule, ridiculed by others too. And, and show that, you know, they're much better than that kind of level that we've, for some reason, agreed to assign to them, which is not really accurate. And obviously, I mean, for me, the best example of that is Maxwell Cornet, who is a player who I've always defended because I never agreed with people who were saying he was a bad player. And I have to say, like, in so doing, by always defending Cornet, I've convinced myself of how incredibly good he is. And, and, <laughs> and I now view him as this amazing player, which he probably is not that good. But, um, um, you know, I guess it's a, it's a, I'm pushing it in the other direction and letting myself getting carried away in a positive sense rather than a negative one. I think if I may, yeah, I don't want to rain on the parade because this is a great night and Lyon fans and Ligue 1 fans and fans of French football in general should be really excited about this. But, you know, for Rudy Garcia to set up in a really this is a really negative formation and hit on the break that that works in the champions league. You know what I mean? And we've seen that work and he deserves a lot of credit for that, but his test is going to be in Ligue 1 when he has to play possession football and you don't have to own the game and break teams down. And that's where they've struggled, not in the counterattacking sense. So I think you can, I think it's okay to draw a line between Champions League Lyon and the success they're having there and then Lyon the league and still having questions about how this team's going to look against competition that is going to be more compact and more defensive against them. That's a that's a fair point. Next is Bayern for Lyon. After that is, is uh you know one day before that rather is is uh, Leipzig for PSG. Um Obviously, we're all dreaming of an all-French final, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll take it one game at a time. We'll have a preview show out for you listeners um, between now and then with more details on each of those matches. But, um, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about where we stand right now, guys. First of all, have you enjoyed the new, well, the new format? No, it's not the current format for this season's Champions League. Yeah, I, I think, you know, so I'm, I'm in the United States and I'm watching CBS Sports's feed, which is excellent. Um, the commentary okay. has been great. Uh, and one of the commentators mentioned the first, <laughs> after the first 20, 20 minutes of the match, oh, this is the most boring 20 minutes we've had in these quarterfinals yet. What? Um, the first oh, 20 minutes yeah. of this evening's match. This has, because, there, you know, there were a few chances. Um, I don't think City had a shot, period, <laughs> not even on target in the first 20 minutes. But... The point point remains. I think that the teams are going to play, you know, a little bit less with their hand on the throttle uh, as a result of the fact that there is no return leg. There are no away goals. So I think that what we're getting out of this tends to be more madcap. And I think we've seen that. Uh, you know, again, Barcelona being thrashed, notwithstanding, I think that it's it's made for a far more exciting and far more dynamic set of matches. Um, you know, all of these were on were on knife edge, except that except last night's tie. And I think that that's you know from a UEFA standpoint, that's exactly what they want: that level of excitement, that level of drive, and yeah, the the fact that you know we are so collectively buzzing after after watching 90, 90 minutes of football. Um, that's what you want from a 
from a, a neutral's point, as as the the old saw goes. So yeah, it, I think that, that it's superb. Yeah, I think considering the circumstances, this has been perfect. Like that, the matches have been really exciting. I echo what Eric said in terms of just there's so much randomness because you're only playing 90 minutes it's just so much more random than 180 minutes or a full league season or anything like that so we're getting the benefits of all that and i think they've done a really good job given all the circumstances of putting together a really entertaining tournament i i agree with what you guys are saying that it's definitely been exciting stuff my worry when i hear everybody so happy about these um these uh these one match knockouts is that if they i well i always think i hope they don't switch to that permanently because one of the great things of the home and away is that it's a chance for fans to get foreign teams to come play in their stadium and you know you never really get that chance um outside of of these matches and if you if we switch at any point in the future to simple knockout games that will be lost and, and that will be a shame of course but on the flip side do you think that Lyon and or PSG have been liberated in a way by not having the pressure of, of their fans, which, um, I mean, French football fans are very vocal uh, in a positive sense, but sometimes also in, in a negative sense, um, p- potentially? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it has certainly played a part because... Um, the pressure on PSG to deliver in Champions League games is like really huge. Like there's a lot of pressure, and usually what happens with PSG is that when things start to go wrong, when, once things start to go wrong at any point, they start to really panic, and it starts to you know affect how they play. They lose that composure, and that's something that I always said the Real Madrid team of the, the three Peters they were they, they had in like abundance when they the things weren't going well they had a Cristiano Ronaldo who kept his composure who just believed that they were going to come back they had a Sergio Ramos also and guys like that who just stayed calm Marcelo Luka Modric Tony Cruz those guys just kept their heads and came back I remember the the game against PSG at Santiago Bernabeu where and Rabio scored and PSG took the lead. And PSG were really dominating that game for 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 at least the first mm. half and early in the second half. But um Real Madrid kept their composure even after going down, even when it looked like they were in serious trouble. Because Verratti was absolutely ruining them in midfield. And I thought they kept their composure really well and just kept going and just playing their game and trying. But that doesn't really happen with PSG, for instance, because the pressure is there. And as soon as something goes wrong with the fans in the stadium, if it's a home game, the fans in the stadium are obviously they are demanding and you don't want to disappoint them. And, you know, everyone's already having that feeling of deja vu, like, oh, here we go again. It's happening again. And then, you know, things start to go wrong. And that game against Atalanta, they did panic. You know, they did panic. The, the panic started to set in around the 60th minute and they started mm-hmm. to really you know, horrible things. There was a spell where Neymar couldn't get a pass right and he kept getting dispossessed because, I mean, things had to get, like, really, really, really um, tense with them. The good thing for them that day was that there were no fans in the stadium. So it gave, it afforded them the, um, shall I say, the, the, the space and the, I don't know the word to use there, but 
it gave them the opportunity to or the chance to really settle down and calm down, really get their composure right. I thought that that happened, and they were able to pick back up around the 70th or 75th minute and continue to play their game and just keep going. And I don't think that would have happened if there were fans in the stadium. If we remember the elimination last year um, against Manchester United, now after the first goal by Lukaku, um, we saw Mbappe step up and you know really show that he he could handle it and it was like yo let's go let's let's go at it again and let's try to get an equalizer and something like that and he did he led the team he got an equalizer he created the chance for Bernard to score and they got the equalizer then he got smug and you know everything seemed okay but as soon as they considered the second goal the mood changed not even Kylian could really stand up at that point any anymore I think he started to really think that. Okay, this is going wrong. This is going too wrong for us. And then, you know, it just slipped into the minds of all the players and they were playing really tense. At that point, Manchester United still had to come out because they needed goals. But it was PSG playing with fear and really just trying to please the fans because they were losing the game. Not the tie, but the game. And they were trying to make the fans not worry or something. And it got to them. So I think that this this whole... No fans thing, a neutral ground. It, it, it reduces, it, it removes a lot of those factors. The the pressure and everything, he reduces it. Obviously, they still feel the pressure in their heads and everything, but they don't have fans screaming at them and, you know, they don't see reactions from the fans when things aren't going wrong, when someone misplaces a pass or anything. They don't have that to worry about. They can just focus on playing their game and just, you know, keep going. And I think that has been a really, really big factor. But obviously... The thing is, it's going to. I think that it's going to go back to normal by next season. Because first of all, uh, money is very important in these things, and that constitution is is peak. But yeah. also, I think PSG have gotten past a mental block by getting to the semis. And if they do get into the final or, or even win the thing, then they wouldn't feel as much pressure next year when they're in Champions League again and maybe the fans are back and everything, I think that they'll be calmer and more composed because they've been able to, you know, scale this hurdle at this point. Um, <laughs> you took us all the way back to the bad moments and <laughs> and then brought us back to now um, with that fairly convincing answer, uh, indeed. Um, okay, guys, uh, anything else? On Lyon, uh, on Lyon's win, or on the fact that we have two French teams in the semi-finals uh, that you guys want to share? I, I did want to uh, make a specific mention for Maxwell Cornet, uh, just in the fact that uh, I mean, I, well, I think that there are some people out there who will loathe his gamesmanship. Uh, I think that that his what? Sorry, his gamesmanship. Oh, okay. Uh, the fact that he was so willing to be quote-unquote knocked over by Kyle Walker <laughs> on so many occasions and, mm. and to try to drop Alistair out. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch from a perspective, but at the same same point, you know, that's that's the kind of uh, desire to win that you want to see from a player. And I know we had talked earlier about him being somewhat maligned, but again, I you know, I, I'm with you. You know, I, I think that he is a player who, you know, has this weird knack of coming up when it matters. And uh, I think that that's to his credit that he can not only adapt this new role tactically, but uh, to approach this match with a, a sort of bravado and a 
uh, cleverness that I think, yeah, I think made the difference. I don't know if anybody is going to believe this because I obviously can't prove it. But before the game, um, I I was talking to my sister who asked me, um, well, she asked all of us at, at dinner, you know, if you had to bet everything you had on who was going to win, who would you bet on? And I said, I don't know about that, but I would bet on Cornet to score. <laughs> half seriously, half jokingly, but um, uh, we were very happy when that happened. Um, and he does love a goal against City. We haven't mentioned that, but what is, that's four of his six Champions League goals are against Manchester City, which is a pretty astonishing record for him. Okay, then. Uh, we will have a preview show talking in detail about the two semifinals to come. Uh, you know, whether we think French teams can go any further than that and, uh, and so on. We'll, you'll have to wait for that podcast uh, to hear about that. Uh, in the meantime, I'm sure all of us are going to savor this moment, uh, which is quite, quite special. So, so thank you, Clinton. Thank you, Eric and, and Kale for coming on tonight. Thank you. And for, uh, you know, all the ongoing coverage of French teams in Champions League football, make sure you follow GFFN on Twitter at GFFN. And look at our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, lots more content, obviously, as we break down those, those matches. Thank you for listening.